the official podcast of Ghostlight Players of Metro West. Hi, and welcome back to our second episode of Thank You Places. Uh, I'm Chris J. M. Maloney. And I'm Jacob C. McDonald. And joining us for this intro is... I'm Anne Slotnick. And who are you? <laughs> I play Rosencrantz in this production of Hamlet um, to Chris's Guildenstern. Um, and this is my uh, first show with, with Ghostlight when we did it last year, obviously. So I'm really excited to be revisiting it with everybody. <laughs> it's your second first show. It's my show, second first show, yeah. But it's the same show. Double and, first. And I'm yes. glad that we have Anne with us today because it occurred to me after the first episode came out, we never actually explained that Chris is in the cast, did we? Oh, did we not? <laughs> oh, that's... Man. Yeah. Details like that. Chris is in the cast. Um, I am one of the team of producers on this version of Hamlet, so now you know who we are. Yeah, I'm Guildenstern. Um, we'll reference that a bunch in the next episode. Spoiler. Glad you know. Um, so this episode is the first of, um, I guess, three episodes in a row that sort of deal with the body not any particular body, just the body qua the the body, the concept. The best the body. body. The best body. Your perfect beach body. The body politic. Not that last one. That's not right. That's that's misleading. And in particular dealing with how the body politic um creates its character <laughs> on stage. Um Starting this week with Michelle Leibowitz, mm -hmm. um, who we'll hear from in a minute, talking about how she goes through getting the physicality of her character, Gertrude, um, as well as playing in the three-quarter stage setup that we have for the show. Yeah, uh, this episode will be a little light on me. Jacob took the lead for this one as we recorded the next two episodes simultaneously. We're yeah. both still alive. Ringo Starr is not the only Beatle. Wait, is Ringo <laughs> Starr the only Beatle? I don't remember how the conspiracy goes. Um, I know that in the conspiracy, Paul is dead. Yes, because he's the one in the red jacket. Yes. Also, Avril Lavigne died a long time ago. I just read that one. I saw that in like... 2002, and it's making a resurgence, yeah. which is strange. We need more Hamlet conspiracy theories. We'll work I on it. I bet we can find those. Yes. I yeah. think. Yeah. Those are so before we dive in, Anne, do you have a hot take on the topic of this episode that you can... Well, I think, um, for me, one thing that's really unique about this production is, um, as we have just learned in rehearsal today, really been continuing into this summer, is the idea of that three-quarter audience. We have three sides of our stage filled with audience members and um, remembering to constantly be cheating out in the right ways and stay on diagonals and using your body, not just in relationship to your scene partner, but also to the, the three sides of the stage that the audience is enjoying the show from. Um, I think it's a fun challenge as the actor and that's great. And, and we also have a fight scene. Chris and I and a lot of other people. So that's been um, definitely body-related, I would say. I don't worry about it much. My best side is my back side. <laughs> <laughs> One uh, program note from me is that you'll hear Michelle refer to Mackers 
uh, which is short for the name of a play that we won't say here because of superstition. It's like the most famous Shakespeare superstition. Just Google it. You'll get it. Yes. Yes. It's also the one that sounds most like Mackers. Coriolanus. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes Coriolanus. Anyway, um, is it time for me to say without further ado? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Maybe. Close um, enough. Without further ado, this. Okay, um, I'm Michelle Leibowitz, and I'm playing Gertrude. So, just the first question that popped into my head, because Uh-oh. it's sort of an obvious question, <laughs> um, and, and sort of by way of introducing you a little bit more, is that you're a dancer. I am. a choreographer. Yes. Um, and I was just wondering how, if at all, you feel like that influences how you approach physicality when you're acting in a non-dance context. It's a really good question. Um, it absolutely does uh, affect that. Um, I, I, that's one of the things that I tend to do with my characters is sort of explore their physicality, um, how they stand, how they walk, um, how, what, what do they do with their hands, and sort of make a conscious decision to play with that and to, to see what feels right for that character. So would you say that you sort of find the physicality of the character inside out by coming up with with things and playing with them rather than, um, like I've I've heard actors that sort of picked an animal and drew it. Uh, We did that for Pippin, actually. Yes, yes we did. The ensemble for (laughs) Pippin, we each picked an animal and based themselves off that. Do you usually do more of the former, the... Um, I think it all depends on the character. Um, when we did uh, Mackers, um, it was definitely based on the animal that the witch uh, that I was playing, her her animal person that 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 she most uh, had the most in common with. So so a lot of her movements became very reptilian, snake like, um, which was one of, which was the animal that I had decided would work for her. But for Gertrude, I, I worked more outside in, um, really thinking about how does a queen carry herself? How does she walk? Um, how, what, are, what are her hands doing when she's standing? Um, and really kind of played with different ways that that would, would work for, for Gertrude. Um, so for, for Gertrude, definitely, um, outside in as far as the movement goes, but a lot of inside out work had already been done, you know, really thinking about the type of character that she was. So that sort of blended together. What, what are things that Gertrude does with the way she carries herself that Hmm. Michelle does not do? (laughs) Gertrude is very aware when other people are around um, and she um, carries herself very straight, um, you know, shoulders back. Uh, her, her back is ramrod straight. Um, typically, her hands are clasped in front of her. She is, um, when she sits, her, her, she's crossed at the ankles. Um, she is always very aware in the picture that she is presenting to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Michelle just kind of, likes to be very comfortable. <laughs> so so she's not quite as concerned about how does 
she looked to everybody else. Right. And when, so let's, just looking at like the night of a performance, say. Okay. From the time that you get to the theater and you get into costume and makeup and warm up and everything and then the show starts and you go through it, where uh, along that timeline <laughs> do you switch or is it more of a gradual thing? I think it's kind of a gradual thing. You know, as you're putting on the makeup, as you're putting up your hair, you're sort of getting into that mindset um, for the character. At least that's kind of how I do it. Um, and it's not really a conscious thing. It's just, it's It just sort of naturally develops. By the time I'm walking through the door from, from the kitchen into the theater space, mm-hmm. um, Gertrude is is there physically for me. Um, it just is helpful for me to, to to let her be there and to kind of let myself settle into her so that, you know, once I hit the stage, that I'm there, I'm present as Gertrude. And, and there's, there's not that, like, sort of immediate switch. And I know some people who can do that, who can be off stage as who they are, and they take one step out on the stage and then they become their character. And, and that doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I've got that light switch no. either. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so for those who didn't see the original Hamlet, um, we did it in a three-quarter thrust. So basically yep. the playing area surrounded on three sides by audience. Yes. Um, which presents interesting challenges for being seen um, and heard and uh, making sure that no one feels neglected. Yep. Um, is it a challenge, and if so, how do you sort of tackle it to be conscious of playing to everyone without appearing to be conscious of playing mm-hmm. to everyone? Huh. I think... For, for me, it was sort of a, that letting go of that mindset of, you know, you have to cheat out. You have to make sure that um, everybody can see you because somebody's always going to see your back. I mean, it's a three-quarter right. space. You can't possibly make sure that everybody's always seeing your front. So For the, the jargon illiterate, what, is, what, what do you mean by cheating out? Oh, um, turning your body so that the audience can see as much of your face and body as they can. Right, in a situation where they would ordinarily be only in front of you. Correct. Um, so, But in a three-quarter space, that is not possible. <clears throat> and I think it was Kat who sort of said, you know, your back's going to be to people, and that's okay. You know, just try and make sure that it's not always to the same people all the time. Right. Um, so I sort of, I, I, I took that in, and um, I think it was when we decided to move the bed in in the closet scene into the middle of the space at one point it was sort of towards the back of the the wall and we moved it into the middle of the space and um organically Quentin who plays Hamlet and I started the the closet scene and started like circling around the bed you know, because um, we were clearly circling sort of each other, trying to figure out what was going to happen. Um, and that was very freeing. It was like, oh, we can do this, and that's okay. Right. <laughs> um, and and being able to, to give yourself that permission to, to play with that and to try new and different things within the space 
really helped a lot. Um, and it, it's funny because one of the few things I think that you sort of can do as if it were real life, because obviously yes. we, we go through most of our life in a three-dimensional space. Correct. They're all around us, so it's, <laughs> it's almost turning off that one portion of your actual yes. performer brain. Correct. Um, I know that we are early in the process still. This is just week two of the podcast and the yep. rehearsal process. How much work do you think it will be to come back to Gertrude, both to be authentic to the Gertrude you created last time we did it, and um, to make sure that it falls in line with what Gertrude is saying and doing and what other people are doing to her in this production? Right. Um, this production is really different, uh, which is so interesting to me because the text is pretty much the same. I mean, we took out certain things and cut down certain things because we needed to, to make it fit within a time frame. Um, but it's, it's like, it's almost like approaching a whole new script in some ways. Um, this Gertrude is really different and this Claudius is really different and their relationship is really different. Um, and it was really cool the other day to be able to sit down with the other actors and talk about that. Where are those differences? How are the relationships different? Um, both Quentin and I, it was really interesting. Both, he was the one who said, I, I kind of feel like our relationship, Gertrude and Hamlet's relationship hasn't changed all that much. And it was interesting because I felt the exact same way. So that was good that we were sort of on the same page there. Um, we've been doing some, some movement work, uh, just the other night and, there was some really cool stuff that came out of that 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 I think is going to be really helpful for me to understand this Gertrude and, and where she is and how she fits into this new production and into this new world that we're creating. Um, you know, I, 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 I was struggling a little bit and Kat and I had, had a conversation about it as to where she was going to fit in and, and, and how, to, how to play her this time. Um, and, and I think there's some really cool things that are, that are percolating up and coming about. So I'm, I'm excited and, and wanting to see where she's going to go. Usually, at least at the community theater level, um, we either spend the majority of rehearsals in the same place where we perform, or we rehearse the majority of the time in one place, and then we <clears throat> sort of have a number of technical rehearsals in the performance space. Right. Um, as opposed to this international version <laughs> of that process, which is um, rehearsing predominantly in our home space in Marlboro, right. and then just sort of being launched into a new country and time zone, um, yep. and having <laughs> one, one technical rehearsal. Uh -huh. um, how transplantable do you feel like this show is... Uh, in, in terms of um, energy, obviously, and, and the audience being there, but in terms of geographically where we physically are doing it. Right. Um, I think it's really transplantable. I think Kat's done a fabulous job of, you know, doing that kiss method, Kath kiss method, keep it simple, stupid, um, <laughs> um, which, you know, we, we try and sort of do here at Ghost Light because we want it to be about 
the characters and about the relationships and and the humanity of the piece um, and not about all the other stuff. Um, so I, I think with that, I think this is going to be really easy to, to do, to move from here and take it over to Scotland and do it there. Awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm bouncing around in sort of thought arcs That's here, okay. But I just, it just occurred to me to, to ask, are there lines, either your own or anyone else's in the show, um, given that we're performing we, I say we as <laughs> if I'm one of the performers, but you are performing in a dialect that's not your normal speech. Mm. Um, is there, are there any lines that um, sort of didn't fully click until um, there was some nonverbal element added um, or, or just gained new meaning with the Wow, yeah. I mean, gosh, so many. <laughs> That's kind of a hard one to, to choose um, because it, it it changes depending on how your scene partner is delivering their line to you that, that you know, is your cue to, to say your line. Um, I think the, the one for me, at least last time, that really sort of changed a lot was uh, Hamlet. You've cleft my heart in tw- in twain. Um, I had a really like I thought I thought I was going to do it one way, and after talking with Cat and and doing the scene with Quentin, it sort of came out a completely different way. And I was like, okay, there it is. That's the way it's going to be. <laughs> so that one to me was, yeah, that one stands out. And it's funny because earlier in that same scene, the one that stood out to me watching mm. um, was the, uh, what wilt thou do? They will not murder me. Oh, yeah. Um, because yeah. <laughs> the, way, the way that line gets delivered completely depends on whether Hamlet seems like he might murder you. Yes. Yes. And that was definitely something that we needed to work on. You know, Quentin um, is just adorable and, and, and was like, I don't want to hurt you. And I was like, well... You gotta, <laughs> you know, I've gotta, I've gotta feel like my life is in danger or else, you know, that, that line doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, right. um, and, and we got there, which is great. Excellent. Um, what are the challenges and spoiler alert for everyone listening who <laughs> somehow managed to reach episode two of this podcast without knowing Hamlet? Um, <laughs> What's it like being a corpse on stage? Oh gosh, that that's like one of the hardest things to do. I have to say, it's like so, oh, it's so nerve wracking. Um, Cause you you, I mean, you have to breathe. You can't not breathe. Right. <laughs> so, but but the second you start focusing on, you know, I don't I don't want people to see me breathing is when all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I have to take a lot of breaths because now like, like you're so hyper aware of it. So I just, I, I really do try and like zone out a little bit and, and, you know, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth and, and shorter type breaths. Cause you don't want to necessarily see my chest rising and falling. That would be incredibly distracting. Um, and also just trying to remember to relax Right. You know, as a corpse, you're not supposed to be like all tense. And so, so, you know, just letting your body 
continually be relaxed, which is really hard to do on stage. <laughs> or do you listen to the remainder of the dialogue? There are a few minutes left after right. Gertrude dies. Um, a little bit. I listen right up until the part that, I, that, um, that Quentin talks about Gertrude um, because... Uh, he he did at, in the last time that we did it he grabbed my hand and kissed my hand so I wanted to be aware that he was going to do that um, because I didn't want to flinch <laughs> um, so I needed to sort of pay attention to where he was in the dialogue to know that that was coming um, but pretty much after that no I'm kind of in a zone I'm, I'm it's not until that I'm like oh look there's no lights <laughs> You sort of go off into into a mental wing. Yes. Wait yes. For, exactly. Exactly. Now you can get up. Okay. <laughs> this version, um, which actually is a spoiler, in, includes um, a dancing scene. There's a. It does. A wedding reception. Yes. Um, My wedding. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, Gertrude's wedding. <laughs> um, how? <laughs> uh, how? Have you been slash do you expect that you and your partner, parentheses S, um, will will sort of navigate what physically you're going to do right. in the dancing scene? Um, yeah, I, I think Kat has some ideas as to what kind of movements she wants us to do and sort of where she wants us to be. I don't know if she's actually like choreographed anything specifically. Um so, um, so I think it's going to be up to me and, uh, my partner or partners. I'm not sure, you know, who we're all dancing with throughout that scene. Um, I know I start off with Claudius, but I'm not sure, you know, if somebody cuts in at some point or not. Um, so I would imagine that we, as the actors are going to take these sort of standard steps that Kat has and find ways to, to use them, which I think is kind of exciting. I, I, I like that. <laughs> As a dancer. Right. And that ties into uh, this question that might be nonsensical, but that's why it's fun. Okay. Um, nonsensical and fun. I like it. We're, let, just imagine, in a theoretical Hamlet the musical. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that, that is not the Lion King. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> if you were choreographing and just... Wow. Where, where would you start? What, uh, Besides the, I mean, the music obviously is, is a factor, but right. if, if it were whatever music lies in your head when you think of Hamlet. Oh gosh. Um, just even in terms of style or another show that you would. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, it would probably, I think it would be really cool to do like, a hip-hop version of it. Mm. I think that that would be a really neat um, sort of turning it on its head. And I know it's already been done with Hamilton and stuff, but I could sort of see it in that sort of ambiguous um, genre. Like, you know, the, the costumes would be sort of old-fashioned, but sort of modern, you know, and people can be women or men and... And that I think that that kind of thing really opens up a lot of possibilities when it can right. be a little bit more open and fluid um, as to what you can do with that material. I agree. 
Cool. And, and, yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll probably go into this more in later episodes, but uh, Shakespeare already has so much of that possibility because yes. um, of so many intentional ambiguities in the way it's written. Yes. And uh, so few stage directions. Yes, which is very cool. Um, to me, that's 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 the kind of theater that typically attracts me. Um, that I want to do. I, I, I'm as as far as a director and a choreographer, the the standard book musicals, as great as some of them are, um, are not as exciting to do as a director and a choreographer for for me, um, because they they sort of have a very standard script um, and, and people expect certain things from them. Um, so I like to do something that's a little bit more open, such as Pippin, Shakespeare, which you can really play around with and see and be creative and see what you can come up with, how you can put your handprint on it. Awesome. Do you, do you have any last thoughts that you want to put on tape? Last thoughts? Um... Come see us. Come see Hamlet uh, when we do it here because it's it's just it's awesome and um, my fellow cast members are spectacular. Um, love working with each and every one of them. They they are so giving on stage and such incredible people off stage. Um, and this is going to be different. So even if you saw the first one, the first time we did it, I think you're going to want to come and see this one too. I can corroborate. <laughs> Yay! Uh, one minute to places. Thank you, one. And thank you for listening to Thank You Places, hosted by us, us. Chris J. M. Maloney and Jacob C. McDonald. Our guest today was Michelle Leibowitz, uh, actor playing Gertrude and board member of Ghostlight Players. Music written and produced by Four Paws. Special thanks to the First Church in Marlboro for the use of their space for recording. Uh, special thanks also to Anne Slotnick for being our guest hostess. She is doing a pump-up hand motion. And Rosencrantz. Um, yeah. Um, and to Jillian Zuckerman. Man. Jillian and Ariel Zuckerman. Close Man. enough. Close enough. This has been a production of Ghost Life Players. Players. A non-profit, a non-profit theater, theater troupe from Marlboro, Marlboro, Massachusetts. If you liked what you heard here, you'll, you'll love, love the other things we make. Visit www.ghostlightplayers.com or find us on the newfangled social media at GLL Bye. Ciao. Exit stage. Adieu, adieu, remember me or whatever.